Hello and welcome to my podcast. Sit back and relax while you listen to me, Ryan French, talk with experts in business as we explore the inner crevices of our minds and how this relates to peak performance. Now during my adolescence I was engaged in damaging and destructive behaviours that saw me get arrested several times and eventually a dishonourable discharge from the military. At that point in my life I had two options. One was to continue along this damaging and destructive path and the other was to accept that I needed help and seek recovery. Fortunately, I took the second option. Now throughout this time, boxing was my passion and I received my professional boxer's licence in 2016 but I got injured in my third fight and was strongly advised not to box again. Now whilst this experience presented challenges and difficulties, it was also the catalyst for something better. I now work with business owners and senior team members, helping them to be more resilient, optimistic and high performing in the workplace, whilst creating a life that generates more fulfilment. The purpose of this podcast is to help people who might be going through similar challenges to help you find solutions to your problems whilst creating a life that generates much more happiness. For more information on my one-to-one or team coaching programmes or workplace seminars, head over to my website, hittingtargetslimited.com. That's hittingtargetsltd.com. Please like, subscribe and share. In today's episode, I'm joined by Barnaby Parker from Venquist. Barney first started working with me about 10 years ago when he used to take part in my fitness sessions. Then I taught Barney how to box and he competed on a charity boxing show that I put on. Today we're going to be discussing resilience and what characteristics make up a resilient mindset. Jumping on the conversation with us now as we're discussing trauma and how this relates to resilience. So we mentioned trauma and you went straight back to this period of your life when you was at Eton. Would you mind talking a little bit about, because you said you don't know whether it was with the trauma that age that actually built resilience. Would you mind exploring that? Well, I, yeah, so um, I didn't find, I mean, I had a fairly happy yeah. teenage years. Um, but I didn't find school very straightforward. Mm. For um, you know, just it just didn't work out very well for me. Yeah. And it was my I, I don't think my I think my resilience probably tested at school. You know, it's a it's a boarding school. It's all boys. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for all the the good times, there are some tough times. Mm. Um, but you know, my pres- resilience was probably set by actually I was lucky enough to grow up in a in a family which was healthy balanced and yeah. and so on so by the time I went to eat at age 13 and and went through you know a, a bit of teasing a bit of bullying a bit yeah, of yeah. um you know just just unpleasantness yeah um I was probably set to to cope with it but um and then you know just you know now I'm in my mid-40s so over the course of my life there are times when you know, I've drunk too much. I've I perhaps even worked too hard, or I've 
And I, and I suffer, I'm sure like everyone else, with imposter syndrome. Why am I the head of this business? Or why do I have this yeah. opportunity? Or, you know, and one of the reasons why I've made it in what, re, sort of made it in a, you know, I don't feel like I've ever made it mm-hmm. in an industry that's tough is because I feel that, as you just said, everyone's, everyone's looking. I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I don't think that would ever go away. And in many respects, that's a healthy healthy thing because it means that you know I am progressing and I'm getting yeah, places yeah but um you know I have to be aware of how you know I have to be aware of all, all of those kind of thoughts and sensibilities that are kind of playing around in my brain but I'm yeah. sure it's like I'll never know what everyone else's brains are thinking absolutely but I think it's so probably what, normal so um, <laughs> I, 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 mate what is normal <laughs> I think you're asking the wrong person of what normal is in terms of the normal bell curve and normal distribution of data I think I fit well outside of that but well, um, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but um, so you said um, so you had all you, you're describing so much um, which I think a lot of people relate to I certainly relate to it like this um not necessarily not being satisfied because that would suggest that I'm not happy in the level that I'm at now but I want more and I think that's a human instinct right so that's a human instinct to always certainly for me anyway to look at right I've, I've, I've achieved this now what else What's, what next what can I do now to next push myself so what do you do when you're maybe saying that you've got this stuff going around in your head like you're saying I'm not I don't feel like I'm good enough or people are judging me or whatever what, what do you do to to counteract those faults it's for, for me it's just trying to be in the moment it's such a it's such a great expression that you know life's a, a journey not a destination mm. and actually there's um i mean i, I spent in, the, in in my career in recruitment i started i literally started ringing through an a to z and i can't remember if i got through to the a to z of of names i probably didn't get to z because i don't remember ringing a zachariah or a Mm. whatever yeah but um so somewhere along that alphabet I managed to develop a business that has enabled me to set up two successful recruitment businesses yeah. just from that really starting from that the A to Z of names mm. so the I can't remember what sorry we, um <laughs> You might so, want to edit that bit. No, no, we won't edit it. We'll keep it all in. <laughs> keep it all in. It's the, the, the more authentic, the better. <laughs> um, so we were talking about um, techniques and tools or, or uh, methods that you use to maybe counteract that self-doubt. Or Yeah, so sorry, the point of the, the a, to, a to Z was my mind was simply focused on, I had a need, I was broke. I had a bank manager on my, on my back. Yep. I needed the money. So I didn't think of anything else apart from ringing through those people mm. and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, a, have had a great education I've got a, a few probably natural sales traits that help me perhaps mm. get better results out of that list than maybe the next person did but like not a as good a deep sense of oozing charisma is that what you're saying well you're very kind but um, <laughs> but so, you know somehow I managed but there are plenty of people with more charisma less charisma whatever yeah. than I've got and mm. they, they do a similar results yeah. but it was just sheer focus did I want to be the person that was banging the phone from eight in the morning until whatever time at night and then sourcing candidates. Of course I bloody didn't. There were plenty yeah. of my friends who were yeah. in the pub, they were, you know, some of them were doing ski seasons, whatever it was, mm-hmm. but I had a real need. And after a while, I remember suddenly I had money in my bank account and the, the, the boss had, had, had given me his 
as a company car given me a BMW. And I was in a position where actually I didn't have that desperate need for Mm. money. Mm. What I now had a desperate need was a series of candidates and clients and people working for me that I felt I had to do better for all yeah, the time yeah and and it's just it, it carries on but a lot of that when I say I have that I had that need of people around me that made me feel like I had to do better all the time a lot of that was positive energy there were people that were really willing me to go on mm. because they were following or they were candidates relying on me to find those those good jobs or clients relying on me to to find those great candidates mm. and so that kind of fueled fueled me on until you reach the next yeah. plateau and then at the next plateau it's another bit of a reset so for example I recently changed my role at, at Venquist Venquist is seven or eight years old been the CEO since the beginning there are people pushing up underneath that are more than capable and deserving of that role so I've changed my role get out win more business try and make it a make it a bigger business across Europe yeah so are you saying, just want to um, double check my interpretation, so are you saying that um, the way that you get over your self-doubt, and correct me if I'm wrong as well, because this is what I'm just trying to interpret it, so are you saying the way that you get over the, the self-doubt, the negative thinking, the, the, the thoughts that sometimes would try and stop you from pursuing your goal, you say you get over that by just doing it, or setting a goal? How, what, I think it's about setting a new goal. Right, okay. I think it's... Um, I think I, I get to, I personally, I get to a point professionally, personally, which is like a plateau. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a bit of resetting. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm about to say I'm a visionary person, but I, 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 I my brain operates in pictures and, and yeah. in a world of, of visions. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and sometimes the vision blurs or I've, yeah. I've, I've headed up in a slightly different direction. So I just need to re-centre that, that. What does that look like then with a goal, when you're setting a goal? Because you're saying you're leaning a lot onto goal setting, which is great because I love goals. You know I do. I absolutely love setting goals and because and if, if, goals give purpose, right? And so you're saying you get this air of self-doubt or low confidence or some might say low resilience, but then you set a goal. So how does that, what does that process look like when you're setting a goal? Well, you've reminded me of a great friend who okay. was dating this girl. Right, yeah. And he was... He was madly in love with this girl and she wasn't madly in love with him right. so he said to me Barney what, what do I do how do I how do I win this girl over mm. so I said to him look what you need to do is paint a paint a picture paint a vision of what life's going to be like yeah. with you yeah. and we talked through we, we role played yeah. you're not being arrested are you Ryan <laughs> yeah, they're coming for me they're coming they know I'm here <laughs> my old life catching up with it so the two of us had a conversation about you know what what life he was going to be offering this this uh, lady yeah. and I think he, he you know he obviously it obviously worked because he you know within a few weeks they were engaged uh, yeah. within a few years they were then divorced but that's mm. irrelevant the yeah. point was he yeah. painted the picture mm. so that's really powerful so that's almost well, like you you started with the end in mind and this is a big thing that I'm doing at the moment so whenever I start a new venture or I have an idea for a podcast or a book that I'm writing or whatever start with the end in mind and that's what you help this guy do right you started with the end in mind and then work back from it yeah, I, th- I think that I think that's exactly it. Mm. But the the end you have in mind isn't always the end you get to. Absolutely. So it has to yeah, keep yeah. changing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's where you're, and that's what you're talking about. So you're, and well, so, I think sometimes you can get so stuck in a job, you don't you don't stop. So the 
the other thing I, I really believe is that a company you work for, or any organisation, or perhaps anything you do, is a vehicle for you to achieve your dreams. Mm. So, if that vehicle is taking you to the wrong di- in the wrong direction, the wrong yeah. place, you're in the wrong vehicle. It's <laughs> brilliant. If yeah. the vehicle, you know, the vehicle perhaps does have accelerators and and perhaps only one accelerator and steering wheel and so on. But that enables you, and there's an amount that you can do to change the vehicle that you're in, if it's a job or organisation, but there's only so much that you can do. And when that mismatch happens, the goal you're aiming for or the vision you have and the vehicle are in different directions, it's time to do something about it. And where do you think, where do you, where do you think resilience comes into play with that then? Well, resilience is the, is the for me, resilience is the, is the key skill. I mean, I've got two kids. Yeah. And... I mean, resilience really is their ability to... It starts with their drive, ability, persistence to mm. do their homework. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I've got, I've got one daughter that, try, that does an off, that will work at her... Will, will spend a lot more time on her homework than the other one. Mm. And the other one is, you know, they both get it done, but the one I think is probably a bit more resilient is... is is, you know, she's closing her ears and getting on with it, and I don't think we're that different. So, so I, I, we've mentioned your like, physical activity level and how much you're into training and um, how much really how much you're outside. You're outside a lot. You train outside. You cycle to work every day, and then and then you're in an office. How did you cope with that early in your career? I actually I I wasn't I was very sporty at school. Um, and then I, 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 didn't, I just didn't play that much sport. It was only relatively, I'm going to say relatively recently, it was only probably in my 30s that I realised how important sport and, and being outdoors was to me. And actually, you know, I, I'm not related. I mean, I had a perfectly happy, I've had a very happy life. Let's get that absolutely yeah, yeah, straight. But yeah. where things perhaps, where perhaps I've been off in the wrong direction... Mm. I think it's probably because I wasn't doing This for me is, I know you, you know that I am big on this and I'm going to keep banging on about it, is this how similar fitness, sport, whatever you want to call it, this physical activity, this ability to put yourself through the fire, your body through the fire physically, you have to have a huge amount of mental resilience to do that. Because you're, we're talking about the thought processes that stop us just working out a process towards goals yeah so a business goal or I can't do that I haven't got money or I can't change my job because of the financial implications of doing that and if I do that I'm going to lose my house do you know what I mean like so those those thought processes that are present all the time in life are like magnified when it comes to fitness because you know if you're if you're going through like if you're going for a really hard training session and then the instructor says, give me another lap of this 400 meter track or whatever it is you're doing. The first thing your mind's gonna say is, there's no way I can do that. I can't do that, don't do it, don't even try. So you're ma- straight away, your mind's putting those barriers on you. And this is what the reason I'm talking Mind about. gives up first, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. The mind, your body is so much more capable than what your mind will let you believe. It will always, because it's self-preservation, right? It's trying to, trying to preserve this ancient brain that we've got is trying to stop us from hurting ourselves or embarrassing ourselves or whatever so it tries to protect us by giving us these limiting beliefs well I think the other thing 
is other people's limiting beliefs. Definitely. So yeah, I agree. surrounding yourself with people that believe you can do it. Like and positive you, people. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, yeah. and trying to cut out the people that they can't do it, you can't do it, mm. none of us can do it, and it ain't going to happen. How do you think being physically active has improved, or maybe you haven't, maybe you don't think it has, improved your, like, your mindset in terms of resilience in your personal life and business? Well, Ryan, I do sport, mm. but if I was a musician, so I was someone that was an expert, you know, orchestral violinist, or perhaps I was, you know, in my spare time, I, I did something else that wasn't sport, but it was something that was, you know, as an artist or whatever. Mm. I wonder whether that would work just as well. And then, and I think it probably would. I think it's just actually about having outside interests. It's mm. having things which... Because the great thing about sport is, I mean, if you are, this morning I was bear crawling across Hyde Park. Yeah. If you're bear crawling across Hyde Park, you're not thinking about the problems you've got in the office or the problems mm. you've got at home or wherever your things are. You're thinking about bear crawling across that flipping bit of grass. So what you're saying is, is you're completely immersed in the present moment. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's the same if you're a, if, if you, you know, if you're a top, I mean, in fact you don't have to be a top, if you're a guitarist or cyc cycling sport, but you get mm. the point. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, it's just anything that gets the brain from you know gets the chatter of the brain just stops it for a bit. Mm. And um, to be successful in business or um, yeah in, in business, you need to have a certain type of resilience and persistence anyway. Yeah, so if we just use that concept of being um, resilient to be successful in a <clears throat> business sense, yeah, when you're when you boxed and. Could you just describe um, that experience, so boxing on a show, and how the resilient mindset that you needed to be successful in that arena um, may be compared to being successful in recruitment? Crum, so by the time I got in the ring, I was as fit as I've ever been. And actually, I probably wasn't inspired by, we talk about the vision, I wasn't perhaps inspired by the vision of, of winning so much as the fear of getting my head knocked off. I think fear was a, was a good motivator for me. Yeah, I relate to that. Yeah. Um, so actually, by the time I got in the ring, I was reasonably confident. I was confident that I was going to put on a... I wasn't going to get beaten out of, the, out of the ring. I was in as good a state as I could possibly be. And I think... Um, you know, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But when I and when I turn up to work, I cannot claim to turn up to work five days a week, absolutely ready for the job. Sometimes I'm not. To, I'm I'm ready to a degree, but I'm not one hundred percent me. I've got to get myself into that state. Oh, yeah, well, we're gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to come back to that. We'll come back to how you do that. But we're... so the you know, the boxing analogy is. I mean, my train my training for that fight was was. Was it five or six months? Um, there were some real lows. I mean, I'm, I'm not someone that bursts into tears very often, but I was faced on a month seven a.m. on a Monday morning. This, this, I'm sure I'd be flattering someone, but he looked to me anyway like a, a, um, a, a very, very well, yeah. very, very, very well built, mm. tattooed, mm. Um, bo experienced boxer standing in a ring, knocking, standing in a ring, warming up, ready for. Old, Barn old Barnaby the amateur to come in and get his get his um, head knocked off. 
mm. and um, after a round or two, I, I, I cracked. Mm. But that cracking, back to resilience, is, is probably what got me in the, you know, when I was in a ring with a crowd around me, it just wasn't going to get worse than it had been. Mm. But the big question, really, is you wouldn't volunteer anyone for, you know, in the safe environment of going through learning to box, that's fine. You wouldn't volunteer anyone, whether they're your relational friends or anything else, to go through that unpleasant experience to get through the other side, would you? So that, having kids, is one of the... How do you breed resilience in your kids? While... How do you... You you, you cannot... I can't send my children out to take that that blow. They'll probably find it themselves, but you wouldn't... Yeah, and I think... um, because, as you know, and I've as already spoke about, I, I really like reading what science has to say about stuff. Um, I love reading what the research says, and the research is vast now because it's been something that's been researched for the last twenty years. I mean, significant interest, um, both um, with children's trauma, sports, and business. This resilient. What um, what they're they're talking about is how. People that have been through trauma, that's why I was interested in when we opened up this conversation today and you mentioned trauma straight away. And they're they're saying that a lot of the research is saying that um, to be resilient to some degree, some sort of trauma is maybe not not necessary because that's suggesting that you need to traumatise your children in order for them to be resilient yes, but you need to that. no absolutely <laughs> but they're saying that people that have been through trauma and display um, there's a link between going through trauma this is right let's get it right let's get it what the research says right there's a link between going through trauma as a child or any at any period in your life and then getting through that trauma to then being resilient. That's what the link is, right? Because one of the biggest characteristics of being resilient is this ability to bounce back or overcome adversity, yeah? So that's, that's they're two, main, two of the main characteristics. There's loads of definitions out there as to what resilience. We've, you've got all of these awesome techniques and tools that you use for yourself, yeah? And you've got, how many people you've got out there in the office right now working? How many people uh, working for 60. you? 60, 60 people out there in the office. Um, how do you, because they've obviously worked for you, do you translate that now to your staff? How, what's the process in which you do to convey the things that, have, that get you through the fire and build resilience and help you operate at this optimum level? Do you now have a system in play where you can pass that over to your staff? We have a company system in place. Okay, cool. So, you know, we have all the, the processes around, you know, someone has developed as, they, as perhaps they should be, but mental health, for example, and, you know, general HR, etc. I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't personally operate as, as someone that is constantly teaching, you know, taking classroom lessons or lunchtime sessions or whatever it might be. I'm... I'm more someone that's trying to 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 lead by example, okay. and that means positivity. I'm constantly aware that you know, whatever I'm exuding, people are picking up. Um, so, you know, and I, I think that I think that's as far as I go. Really? Okay. Um, right, no, I was just I was just intrigued to, because you've got. I mean, I'm, I'm an approachable person, and I spend I'm I'm often picking up where I think there are issues, or you know, I'm. I'm 
sensitive enough to see when you know the deal's fallen through or someone's for whatever reason they're not in the, as good a place as they could be then that would mean a, a you know I don't want to call it a one-to-one because it's a chat it's what yeah. humans should be doing more yeah, to each other yeah, agree, that, yeah. that type of, of thing mm. I haven't you know I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say I have literally put those techniques into into processes or, or, or whatever but I think one of the, the other things one of the things I would say about the people that you know, young younger employees people in their perhaps their, their, their 20s and 30s is they don't it, they're not reading or studying or learning as much as perhaps mm. us older crowd so are. you encourage so you saying you encourage your staff to be a little bit more interested in developing in themselves is that what you're saying yeah well I think we've we've, we've all I mean again as a company Venquist we do we do an awful lot of training and development we have um, we have a great training department we've, mm. we've, we've, we've got loads of examples of people coming through from being a, a rookie to even winning best perm consultant in the industry Wow! so we've got some, some great examples of, mm. of, of, of getting people through academies and to seeing some yeah. real success but the only person that can really take responsibility for their own development is that, is that person absolutely yeah and you know, I mean, uh, whether their ears are turned on or off at the, at the, in the training session so, if you had a member of staff listening to this podcast today, or anyone who's at the start of their career in, I'm going to say specifically recruitment now, but obviously there'll be people listening to any recruitment, but um, what would you say are the, the three top things that you think they could be implementing right now to form a more resilient attitude in the office? Well, I think number one is balance. Okay. So, yeah, the balance just means it's not all about one thing. It's not all about work. It's not all about play. It's not all about exercise or whatever it might be. It's just balance. Nice. The other one for me is having a sense of where you're going. Mm. So, I, I am a believer in you know, the company you work for is a vehicle to achieve your dreams. So, mm. and you can change that vehicle to a certain degree mm. but it needs to be the right vehicle and you need to know where you where you where you're heading to and then i think the third thing is 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 listening reading listening it doesn't have to be reading because not all of us read but listening podcasts listening to what people around you are doing or saying and just being aware you don't need to watch the 10 o'clock news you don't need to read the the financial times every day but I just think it's important to know what's going on in the world around you. Um, yeah, so that's about it um, today. But um, the biggest takeaway point for me, um, once again, is always action. So implementation is key because you can listen to podcast after podcast, listen to these books that uh, Barney suggested um, today or whatever. You can do this stuff. But if you don't actually put into action the stuff that you're learning and listening to, then really... Um, you're not going to actually get any, nothing's going to materialise as a result. result. So action, action, action is key. And don't forget to like, subscribe and share. And any comments, please do send on to my email address that you'll find in the show notes. Ah, and also, um, to see Barney fighting... To see Barney, but he did win the fight that he um, that he had the the boxing competition that he um, competed in. Um, he did win. Um, he was the head of the uh, he he was the lead the the um, the the, um, the main bout. It was the main bout of the evening. Packed um, 
Hall, it was it was awesome. A really good fight. So if you are into boxing, if you don't like boxing, obviously don't watch it. But I'll put the link to that fight on the show notes so you can go and have, have a look at it. We can maybe get the views of that uh, of that fight up, Barney. You've, and, already, you've told them the end. <laughs> but, uh, it's, told it's, them the outcome. Even if the outcome, you don't know the outcome, but it's still worth it. I would be honest if I'd lost, would I? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely. You're still getting your winner just getting through the ropes. You're right. Absolutely. So once again, thanks for coming along and listening to us today. And um, we, I will speak to you or you'll hear me um, in a couple of weeks.